Dear listener, some news just in before we jump into the conversation. Since the recording in June 2021, Cutty, our guest, has said farewell to her then-employer, Simpa, leaving them in great shape and joining forces with Swedish legal tech firm Precisely as CMO. Somehow extremely fitting with Cathy's conversation in mind and who she is in terms of continuous learning, new experiences and fast growth. So you'll hear mention of Simpa throughout the conversation. They're a brilliant company, by the way. But Cathy is now on a new adventure with her colleagues at Precisely. Thank you and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, everybody. Today we're joined by Cathy Tamistov. For the past 10 years, Cathy's been helping Finnish SaaS companies with extremely fast international growth from a strategic and marketing perspective, from day one to exit strategy. Today, Cathy is responsible for the customer experience at HR solution provider Simpa. In other words, she's leading marketing and communications at the company, making sure every team within the company has the customer and a stellar customer experience at the center of all and every project. She's also an entrepreneur and often helps other Finnish companies to build marketing strategies or recruitment plans for international growth. Besides all that, Cathy thrives on all kinds of sports. She's also a hockey and a soccer mum for her two daughters. So Cathy, a very warm welcome. But is, is that you? Does that sound like you? Thank you, Nick. Thanks. It's an honour. I think it's my pleasure definitely to be here. It sounds familiar i must say i do recognize myself although it's yeah it's funny hearing it from someone else yeah it's always good just to check with our guests is that really you and i'm really interested in extremely fast growth but before we get to that a huge hello to leadership guru david goddard david welcome yes i recognize myself in that description thank you (laughs) yeah that's definitely you and leadership coaching software guru Stefano Moscone. Good to see you, Stefano. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, David, and uh, welcome, Cathy, to our podcast. Yeah, it's lovely to have Cathy on with us today. And one of the things that I would like to start with is what kind of person is involved with extremely fast international growth? Ooh. <laughs> um, I would say quite eager and excited about many things as a person you mentioned also their international and fast growth so i would say international is something that i would have also described me already back in high school i was super interested in different cultures and countries interested in also developing myself and helping other people to develop yeah, and you mentioned high school, this kind of international, I'm imagining cross-culture and traveling and holidays, maybe family holidays abroad. So how did that start? Yeah, thanks for asking. There was something before. At the age of 16, I convinced my mom to get her permission to leave to Chile in, in to Latin America for a year as an exchange student in high school. So off I went there and I lived lived in a family locally in, in a small village called Viña del Mar in Chile. I didn't barely speak Spanish at the time, but I ended up after 11 months graduating from local high school in Spanish. And there was barely no internet at that time. There was half an hour every week internet time. So it really was the time, a great experience of uh, being thrown in the deep end of the pool to learn to swim. I did, sorry, did you say you were 16? That's, that's interesting, isn't it? 
Like, what were your mum and dad thinking? I know, I have a hard time for understanding. <laughs> had, you, had you been in a lot of trouble? Was it, was it just to yeah, get away for a bit? Yeah, I, I felt like I really wanted to learn Spanish, but Spain was somehow too close to, to Finland. So you like a challenge? You know, there are also schools that teach Spanish. You don't have to go to Chile or, or Spain. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it was a great year, great experience, definitely. So much fun. I, ha I have a lot of good friends visiting me or before COVID times visiting me from around the world that I got to meet and get friends with during that time. I just went to, to Japan, to Kyoto and Tokyo to meet one of my best friends from that year with my family two years ago. In that time in Chile, did you feel Finnish or change your perception of, of Finland? In... I must say I understood I was raised in a certain type of culture and mindset. That was something that I understood. And yes, I did learn to appreciate certain things in my own culture and, and in our country, Finland. That was something that I understood. But also, I think it was a broader thing for me, like really in practice, understanding what culture means, what does it mean to be raised in, in a certain country with, with a certain culture or a certain part of a country. And how have those experiences shaped who you are today? I would say adaptability is, is something that is quite much involved in everything that I think would have come out from that experience. So understanding the need to adapt and understanding the need to also change your own thinking and your attitude. Be interested in other people and in other people's opinions, because there's so much in what other people can bring to the table, especially when they're coming from diet environments. And yeah, I would say adaptability, but that's also something that I think we had very present at home, even without this international experience. So I don't have this, um, corporate job example in my family. My dad was a sole entrepreneur. He was selling wood to, to Soviet Union back in the days. And in the early 90s, the Soviet Union collapsed and, and he had to close down his business, which was, of course, a major thing in our family. But quite soon after, I realized that he, was, he hit the ground running and in a way he was full speed in business again. And he was in plastics industry. So he was actually supplying plastic or plastic molding machinery to factories doing things out of plastic. Even as a young child, I understood that this wood is quite different to plastic. In a way, I understood that there might be quite severe changes affecting your working life or, or your life in general, something that you can't affect them powerfully yourself. So I think this adaptability and understanding that you need to be able to change is something that I really have learned also from home already. It's so important today. We don't know how the world's going to shape up in the next few months, next few years. So it's really important to, to have that mindset. How does that show up at Simpa? I was talking with a HR manager, one of my clients recently, and I asked, what's the number one thing that you look for these days? And her answer was adaptability. So is that what you're looking for when you're equipping the international teams? Wow, I'm, I'm glad someone said that as well, since that's definitely the, what I would say 
is the, the key thing in growth companies. In general, the past one and a half years have really shown that we need adaptability and we need readiness to change. But yes, I would, I'd like to see it in a way that we definitely hire for mission and mindset and, and culture rather than a set of skills. Because as I see it, at least, or as we see it in Sympa, is that this certain set of skills serves for now and in this current need. But as everything is changing so fast, and especially in scale-ups, things are changing even faster. So you actually, rather than needing the certain skills, you need people who understand which skills they need to put on the table at what time. So do you see adaptability more as a mindset than rather than a skill or maybe a collection of skills? But I would see adaptability and readiness to change and willingness to growth all tie to this certain type of mindset in a way. Yes. How do you know it when you see it? That's a lot easier said than done. Um, at least I tend to see the team as an open puzzle without any ready-made shapes, but that there are certain areas that need to be filled. And rather than hiring for these puzzle pieces, we try to look for different fillings for the spaces. So fill uh, spaces that you feel also need to be moldable and elastic and, and adapt in a way adaptability is exactly what I see there, but also willingness to grow. There's such an important time. The question on my lips at the moment, and this question for Stefano, how do you spot that in a person? How do you spot that willingness to grow, that attitude, growth mindset, that elasticity that Cathy talks about? Thanks for the question, Nick. I, I have one question which I usually ask towards the end of the interview, and it's usually people ask, what, why do you think you are the right person for this job? But then instead, what I usually ask is what do you want what is the next job that you're going to do after this one that's a better question in my opinion because i can see from that whether they are already thinking about the, the next step in their career and that kind of highlights a bit whether they're hungry for growth and they're hungry for the next thing already that, that's the kind of question that i ask during interviews if anybody is listening and is going to be interviewed by me <laughs> yeah yeah great thank you Kathy, do you have anything similar up your sleeve like a card that you can play during an interview or a conversation that will give you the clues as to whether this person is is right for your team good question i don't have a standard set of questions but one that i always try to include there is what makes a person feel that they have failed that day or that it has been a super bad day at work for them. I've gotten so many answers and different answers to that, that kind of could almost write a book about them. And of course I can't analyze all of them, but you can you can see certain tendencies in how people answer. What was the best answer that you got, if you remember? <laughs> yeah, probably blaming the whole company and, and team about everything going wrong. I, honestly, if you were asking me that question, I would answer with a quote attributed to Thomas Edison. That is, it, I, I never failed. I always found uh, 10,000 ways that didn't work out. That would be my best answer to, the, <laughs> to, the, to that question. Yeah, that is a really interesting question, isn't it? So what's your definition of failure? 
what's the definition of a day that's really bad or a little bit bad or okay? David, what's your idea of a failure? But I don't have a really answer to that, so I probably wouldn't get a job that's, that's simple. But I was just thinking of both of our, um, our listeners now have a good clue what to expect. So I expect that for an interview, I reckon that you're going to get some applications coming your way now from our listeners. How to prep yourself for an interview at Simpa. Yeah. And Cathy, another thing we were talking about before, before today, as we were preparing for our conversation, you have this kind of special superpower at Simpa, this kind of crystal ball thing that you have, this special magic in terms of recruitment. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, yeah, happy to. Oh, good. So, whomever has been has been in the recruitment process to see knows about it. And David, this is also to answer your question. This is what to expect then if you get to final stages. So we have actually one same person that has interviewed and run assessment, personality assessment, assessment tests to each and every one of us working at Sympa. I guess the two founders could skip it by that backpack at the days. But after that, all 150 of us, we have been through the same psychologist for the final interview and personality assessment. Yeah, we call, that is our, in a way, crystal ball. Also, I see as a recruiting manager, I see that it has brought a lot of um, good things and, and security in our recruitment process. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, but especially once we're hiring for this, as I mentioned, mission and mindset and culture, that's something that you can trust in a way is there already. Uh, so whenever you feel that this is the perfect candidate, know that this is the one person that I want to uh, send for the final interview. Of course, we do follow a process there as well as most of the scale-ups. There are different teams, different job titles from our company, different, well, a diverse group of people is interviewing the, a person or, or the persons who are selected to go towards in the recruitment process. Yes, but the final one or two candidates usually are then sent to, sent to our psychologist at the very final stage of the process. And in a way, you can trust that whenever you send a candidate to her, the understanding of our culture, the understanding of the need to recruit for, for fast growth, then the understanding of the environment we play in, the understanding of what we look for behind the scenes or behind the, in a way, the, what we look in the personality really and, and in this adaptability and readiness to grow with Sympa is there and she really has the understanding wow thank you that's an amazing process that you have there all 150 people all been through and, and met the same psychologist she she probably needs to lie down after that <laughs> it now it makes me think i now i have an answer to your interview question so if we can go back to my interview my my job application at simpa so what makes me feel that i have failed and had a bad day at work is when i'm not able to be myself if I don't get to, to be me and to use my limited talents, to be able to do what I can do, then that to me, that's a real failure. And so is that you mentioned personality and I think that's so much part of it and that's maybe something that I've learned 
as I've gone through my career is just to be more and more myself. Yeah, yeah, such an important point, really. And I'm happy to hear more and more general discussion also about how important it is to be able to be yourself and to bring your full self to table whenever you come to work. So you can't just separate that this is the work me and this is the other me. And this also relates, I would say, very tightly to the fact that you're able to bring in the best that you have in the table and that you're really uh, able to utilize your full capacity and capabilities at work and you really are given the the freedom to to be your best. So how do you create that environment or or foster that environment once people have joined the team and and how do you you ensure that they are growing, learning, but really being all that they can be and bringing their best selves to work each day? I would say that at least two things Uh, are quite important and what helps me is again this psychologist of ours uh, she actually provides a good report of each candidate that we get to then recruit by getting a green light from her and in this report I usually can read and understand the candidate a lot better and I understand where the motivation comes and or how I could try to motivate the person and where to which direction he or she would like to grow. And I really get a sort of deeper understanding of that than I get to also. I also feel that it's a tool for me to be a better leader for that person individually, because what we all need is to be led in the, as individuals, not, not as just some, I don't know, millennials or generation whatnot. So that is very helpful from the beginning and something I can always go back to. But also the thing about the ability and, and understanding that people are not puzzle pieces, but actually some something elastic, something and we can change our minds, we can change the direction of our, of our interests. There are things happening in our personal life as well that affect a lot. Uh, we might go into different direction in terms of interests and uh, all of a sudden jump towards different careers that within the company and that should be okay that should be something that i as a leader should be able to support and should be willing and ready to support uh, in a person not just to somehow selfishly grab a person only to myself but also to understand that it's a person that we have as an as a really great asset and a part of the company as a whole what if the company does not have a space for the desire of change of the person what if the role that the, or the thing that the person wants to do is not something that the company needs so how, how do you deal with that excellent question i don't know i really don't know sounds like Stefan, you have experience of that i have the problem at least uh, <laughs> i don't have the solution but because i do think exactly like Katy does that that we we are flexible organisms and and we get to explore different areas of of life of expertise and of professional journeys and and sometimes at some point we decide that we want to do something else which is totally fine 
And, and I, as a leader, should be... I actually encourage people to, to find something else, not just ask if they want something else. I, I just push people to find something else. But then again, there are the needs of the company and then the needs of the person. And then, of course, there has, there has to be a balance. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my clients are struggling with particularly developers who are very ambitious and they want lots of interesting things to do and they're really prized assets right now in the global economy. So how do you keep them busy? That is definitely a good question. Something that we have encouraged also, especially in our developers, is to take on these free time projects, but then again also be able to use some work time and devote some working time to them. So some of our developers have uh, launched this uh, massive open online course for, it's called Mimitkoda in, in Finland. It's a program for to teach especially women or to encourage women in developing uh, an open course for that. So but you, you need to have a certain flexible strategic thinking approach. Yeah, yeah. So I'm happy that your HR contact had, had mentioned adaptability as their number one priority since it really is something that evolves around everything in the companies these days. What would you like to learn next? Yeah, I'd like to actually scale my learnings. That's that's something that I really would like to do. I feel that I've learned quite a lot during my two quite similar experiences of fast growth in tech environment in the SaaS world with Relex and Zoom. So somehow to get to scale these learnings and to do it again, in perhaps another type of an industry or, or environment and maybe if possible even do it even faster or in an environment of even faster growth. Kathy, why is fast so important? It's the game today, I would say, in a way everything is fast. You can fail fast, but you can also succeed quite fast. You can it doesn't mean that you have to only do these short-paced projects and short-paced things. You really can develop things in long-term as well, strategically. But especially in my field being marketing, everything is changing really fast. New technologies, new ways of working, new tools are coming up all the time. It enables quite fast testing as well, trial and error. It's an everyday thing. And what you did today, you get to know tomorrow. Or, or in two weeks if it worked or not. So it's, you don't, some, of course, you, their stability is good and, and it's good to have some, how you call it, resilience as well in everything that you do, but still be able to do it in a, in a fast and see your results, see if everything works or not quite fast. I think that's really interesting. Because I see that, I see courage as well from the, the story of you as a 16-year-old flying to, to Chile, at the furthest place in the world from your home country, here in Finland, virtually. You know, there can't be too many places further away than that. So courage, fast, learning, change, adaptability, flexibility. What, just wonder, like, how, what are the things in your life that are constant? What are the things that you can rely on? What keeps you grounded? Yeah, my children and baking with them, for instance. <laughs> I love to bake cakes with them and uh, I'm happy that they also like it. It sounds lovely. Patty, we've asked loads of questions and you've answered all of them. Any questions for us? Did, oh, by the way, did David get the job? 
Well, he, he answered your question about failure. I've still got to meet the psychologist, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. That was a great answer, by the way, David. I really liked it. Yeah. Oh, oh. And, and it's super important. For, I've, at least I've, I've noticed today. I've been lucky to get to work with so many really young people, and it's really important to, to be able to be themselves and ourselves. Also for people like David, I guess, right? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm still trying after 56 years. Was there something you wanted to ask us? Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted to comment, actually. You have this great idea of the Nordic leaders, but somehow I've realized you also managed to find diversity within the Nordic leaders. So I really would like to comment to you all on that. I think that's great because uh, quite often you might think that Nordic leaders are of certain mold and type, but you really managed to find a really nice diversity in them. So yeah, thank you. kudos to you. Well, thank you for highlighting that. I think it's something that has really come out throughout the pod in, in all of the seasons. And part of that diversity is just simply diversity of thinking. Really interesting. Sometimes we get a completely different answer to a question that we've asked maybe a couple of times before. So it's really, there's a lot of diversity of thinking and I think we've covered a lot of different professions and personalities and national cultures. That's a lovely comment and thank you for that. Is there anything we could do more I'm sure there is. So maybe the question is, what more can we do on the uh, diversity front? What have we missed? I don't know if you want to, if it's perhaps like a bit outside of this, but something that I always, I have as my mission and I try to spread it is to help young women in tech business and in, in the tech industry to take on tech jobs in tech and lose any imposter syndrome they might have. So really try to be open about how is the tech world and, and it's not actually that techy at all. There are different types of roles in it. That's really interesting what you just said, the special focus on helping young women in tech and specifically to, as you put it, to lose the imposter syndrome. What is the advice? What is that most important part of your um, uh, coaching, sparring, learning. For young women in tech, how do they lose the imposter syndrome? I think it comes quite a lot of how, I, how we are also educated, how we are raised up. It's usually the thing that is not pushed to girls. It's not the girly thing to do. So it already starts at the very early age. And I'm really happy to see all these initiatives for girls in technology in even preschools. Kathy, thanks for sharing those thoughts. And thank you so much for being, being our guest today. I'm honoured to have been your guest. Thank you, Kathy. It was a lovely conversation. I've heard a lot around adaptability, flexibility, willingness to grow, desire to scale and just what it what it takes to to make something bigger wonderful thank you thank you right. this has been great uh, thanks thanks for everything it was it was an honor thank you lovely to have you with us Cathy. thank you i think you actually definitely win the award for our most polite guest definitely <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks very much but hey All thanks right. so much thanks it was an honor take care <laughs>